listening to the Standout Girl podcast and we are obsessed with helping you to thrive every day. Whether we're talking faith, purpose, relationships or identity, we don't shy away from real life and real talk. Think of this like a chat with your gal pals as we navigate the messy and miraculous parts of life. So pull up a seat, get cozy and let these workshop style conversations help you thrive every day. Hello, it's Abby here and welcome to another episode of the Standout Girl podcast. So today's episode is actually from a recent Standout Girl masterclass. Now we host these live virtual events regularly as part of our monthly membership. Yes, in case you didn't already realise, we have a membership. The Standout Girl monthly membership is a sisterhood of support in your pocket. A place to help you thrive alongside others anytime, anywhere, in every single area of your daily walk with God. So let me ask you, are you ready to flourish in your discipleship journey? Are you ready to grow in conviction, in courage, in creativity? Are you ready to dive deep into theology and practically apply it to your actual, real, everyday life? Are you ready to discover your unique identity and call? Are you ready to learn up close and personal from world-class Christian leaders, experts, coaches, and counsellors? Well, the membership is our way to rally around you and your heart, your fears, desires, and questions. It's a way of strengthening you in every area of your everyday life, helping you to live out your God-given value and potential alongside others wherever you are in the world. When you sign up to join the membership family, you get access to up-close and personal live mentorship from pastors and experts, artists and authors, CEOs, presenters and founders, to name just a few. You get workshops covering the A to Z of life, from authenticity and success to sex and being rooted in love. You get live coaching to help unpack the questions you have with Christian coaches, psychologists and counsellors. Bible studies and devotionals to help you dig deeper, know his word and how to apply it to your life. You get practical, downloadable tools to help you thrive every day. Think budgets, planners, work prints, prints. You get 24-7 community and group mentors, exclusive articles, podcasts and videos, all for the cost of a coffee and cake because, hello, all of the best moments happen over coffee and cake. So today you're hearing a sneak peek into one of our live community masterclasses. In this episode, we're joined by vicar and author of Single Minded, Kate Wharton. We talk about how to live whole, full and free in a world that says you need someone else to define you. We want to help you thrive during singleness, whether you feel called to it or would love to be married one day. We want to equip you with the tools and truth to thrive and cultivate an unshakable identity in God. I hope this episode strengthens your soul. And if you want to find out more about the membership, you can find all you need to know at standoutgirl.co.uk forward slash membership. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to our masterclass, Single Minded living whole, full and free in a world that says you need someone to complete you. Now, we we listen to you, we read your comments, we listen to your feedback, we get your emails. So we know that singleness is a topic that is a big one for you guys. And it's a common thing that probably most of you are navigating. So we're really hoping that tonight we empower you with the tools and the truth that you need to navigate this season whether it's by choice something you actually feel called to or it's a season that you're navigating right now we want to help you so that you have the wisdom and the truth and the foundations that you need to walk through this season just with everything he has for you within whole full and free now I have a confession I have nicked this title I've stolen this title of this masterclass from the one and only Kate, Kate Wharton, who is our guest. Now, Kate is a vicar, but she also is an author who wrote the book Single Minded, Living Whole and Fully Free in Today's World as a Single Woman. So she, what an honour to have you, Kate. First of all, thank you so much for giving up your evening to do this. It's a real pleasure to have you, to host you, and a real honour that you would give up your time to invest in us. So thank you so much. Now, 
I've got a few questions that we ask all of our members when they join. There's three key questions that we ask them, and I'd love to ask you them so that we get a flavor of who you are. So first question, what do you do? What do I do? Um, well, I am a vicar, so I'm a church leader um, here in Liverpool. Um, that doesn't really answer the question of what I do. <laughs> so who knows what a vicar does? Um, my mum bought me a fridge magnet a few years ago that says, I wish I had a proper job. Um, so that maybe tells you a little bit about her, about me, about, I don't know. Um, so uh, today has involved uh, taking a funeral, going to a school governor's meeting, uh, recording an assembly video for kids for Easter. Um, what else is today involved? Um, I did something before the, this morning. Anyway, so quite at the moment, obviously a lot of Zoom like everybody else. Um, but yeah, so I've been here in the church that I'm currently in for three and a half years. And um, the last year has been interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a joy to, to lead the church here. And you wrote the book Single Minded. What inspired you to, to write that? Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's quite a story in itself, really. So I have always been single, um, but never really considered writing or even speaking about it. But then quite a few years ago now I was asked, so I'm, um, the other thing that I do with my time, like the other part of my life is that I'm um, one of the assistant national leaders of New Wine. Um, some of you might have come across New Wine um, or uh, been to our summer events. Uh, we're a, a network of um, uh, churches and uh, leaders across, well, not just across this country, across the world. Um, so many years ago, I was asked if I would do a seminar on singleness at the summer gathering. And I said no, <laughs> because I'd never heard anybody speak about singleness in a way that I didn't feel worse at the end of the talk <laughs> at the beginning. And I just couldn't really imagine what it looked like to to do a you know to experience a helpful kind of seminar on singleness. I just didn't know what it looked like, so I said no. And then the following year, they asked me again, and I had a dream actually um, where I ended up kind of coming up with these titles for for talks on singleness. So I did then do the seminars, and then after a while, I got this kind of real passion for the subject and um, began to realise that it was something that really was important uh, in the church today that we really needed to talk about this more. Um, and so anyway, then along the line, ended up my friend said to me well you've done so many talks on this you write them all down surely you must have a book <laughs> writing a book is it turns out a little bit more complicated than that but that's what started the process oh amazing amazing okay so what do you love what do I love? I love a lot of the things that we haven't been able to do this year so I love um, hanging out with friends um, uh, just you know hanging out somewhere in a cafe or a, a pub or you know someone's house so that's something we haven't really been able to do this year um I love playing with my um friends kids godchildren and, and lots of the kids that I know haven't really been able to do that very much and I love going on holiday to warm places oh, <laughs> <yes>. okay. <laughs> so I live in a freezing cold house so um, <laughs> what are you learning in this season oh um well I'm learning a lot about uh, dependence on God. I'm learning a lot about what it um, what it looks like to really to trust uh, when things are tough, when they're really hard. You know, we've all been through difficult seasons, haven't we? And difficult things have happened to us at different times in our lives. But this has been a, a unique season, I think, in that everybody is going through it together. Yeah. You know, often when you go through a hard time, you can kind of reach out to a friend or, or somebody else because if you're not okay they are okay whereas what's been really weird about this season is that okay we're not all experiencing it in the same way for some people it's harder than others but we this is affecting the whole world um and so I think there's there's something for us to learn there about about well I've just the the, the assembly I've just recorded for the primary school it was about hope and I was saying you know, there's lots of things we're all hoping for at the moment um I'm hoping to be able to see my friends I'm hoping to be able to do but actually where is our hope truly located our hope actually is located in the death and resurrection of Jesus um and so I guess what I've just told all of those children in that assembly is what I've been learning that you know where actually is my hope to be found amazing and so challenging as well <laughs> um okay so I've got a few quick five questions just to get a little bit more flavor of, of what makes you tick so okay. are you ready tea or coffee tea oh man you're quick some people are literally like Tea. Tea, tea but tea I'm like it's quick fire <laughs> well done okay wine or chocolate 
No, you can't make me choose. If you had to, you could only have one. Uh, chocolate. Okay. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. <laughs> planner or spontaneous? Oh, a, a bit of bit of both. Probably planner. Okay, cool. Amazing. Right. So, thank you for joining us. Um, if you are new to these masterclasses, what's going to happen now is I'm going to ask Kate um, a load of questions to kind of get her wisdom, to draw out the gold from her experience on this. But if at any point you have a question that you'd like to ask, please pop it in the chat and Jen will butt in, not in a nice way, and, um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that. But also I spoke to Kate pre this um, meeting and she's really up for having any of your questions live. So if we get a chance at the end, we're going to give you a chance to just ask a few questions and um, we won't break out because obviously there's only one Kate so <laughs> we need to do it all together but if you have a question at the end save it or pop it in the chat okay so Kate what does thriving in singleness look like to you oh what a great question and what a big question to start with I, I love this um so this is this is why this, the subtitle of my book, and actually, Abby, you said that you stole it from me, but you improved it, I think, because you used the word free. And that's <laughs> not actually in the subtitle of my book, but I, now I wish it was. So the actual <laughs> subtitle of my book is being single, whole and living life to the full, um, improved by adding the word free. Um, but I think that life to the full thing is, is it for me. You know, that's what Jesus says, that he's come, that we might have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. Mm. And I think that so often um, there's so many temptations for us, not just for single people, but it is a temptation for us as single people not to do that, not to live life to the full, to live what I describe in the book as, as a, a half life uh, because we're waiting. And, um, and, and there's all sorts of reasons for that. Um, and we, we might go on to talk about some of these later on, but I think it, we can often feel like people are looking at us like we haven't quite grown up yet when we're single. And I still feel like I'm nearly 43. <laughs> um, and um, because there are certain expectations of the way we will move through our life and the boxes that will tick and the things that will happen, and actually they won't necessarily happen. And if they do happen, they won't necessarily happen in this linear order. Um, but there can therefore be almost um, sewn into us as children and young people, this expectation that certain things will happen in a certain order. And therefore we can feel as though we're waiting. So if we have been conditioned to think that after my singleness will come marriage and after my marriage will come children, then when we are single, we can think, well, I haven't got there yet. So therefore I'll wait till I get there to do X, Y or Z. And I think that's really risky um, and really a shame. I think it's risky because you don't know that those things will follow in that order. And it's also a shame because it, it does mean that we're living less than our full lives now. So it's one thing I often say to people when I'm talking to them is I ask them a sort of series of questions and I say something like, you know, where's the place in the world that you'd most like to visit? Or what's the, the kind of ministry that you'd most like to serve in? Or, you know, all those kind of big questions. And then why haven't you done them? Now, the answer might be, I can't afford it. Or, you know, I've got to, you know, I've got to finish the study that I'm doing first. But if the answer is, I'm waiting to do it with my husband or I'm, I'm waiting until, you know, then, then maybe, well, maybe do that thing now because don't put life on hold, I guess. So thriving looks like living in the moment, living life to the full, whatever that looks like, and not kind of always looking for the, the greener grass somewhere else you know we don't we don't know most of us um, and isn't it a good job um what you know what's around the corner some of us know you know we think we've got our plans for the next little while some of us are we planners or spontaneous some of us make longer or shorter plans than others but we don't really know this past year has shown us that we had all kinds of plans that had to change mm -hmm. um and so it would be a real shame if we just put our life on hold for this thing that might actually never come um, so I would say there's a reason that Jesus said that he wanted to bring us life to the full and let's let's work out what that abundant life looks like in the place that we find ourselves right now it's possible to live a fantastically flourishing abundant life as a single person mm, that's so good and I think waiting seasons I think whether you're single waiting to meet somebody or single wait no, or like waiting for a baby or waiting for anything I think waiting seasons really challenge that ability in you to 
enjoy the journey and and I know that's been a massive challenge for me over the years just actually trying to enjoy it so yeah. Yeah. And I guess, sorry, I mean, I guess the thing I would say about that as well is that the, the, the issue is that, you know, sometimes with the waiting season, you know that the waiting is going to end in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But the thing is about being single um, is that we don't know. Um, being single doesn't always end in marriage, obviously. Um, and and that's not just because we've chosen it or because we're called to it. Sometimes it's just circumstantially people find themselves single for the whole of their lives. And actually, when when you're young, that can feel like, oh, well, I don't want that. That isn't that isn't what I want at all. Um, but it, that might be what happens. And so I think how we approach that has to look a little bit different because we can't approach it in the way that we'd necessarily approach something that we know is going to have an end. Mm. Um, so it might not be a waiting season that's going to finish. It might be a way that we live our lives. And so that's why it's important that we work out how to live our lives well throughout it, however long it might last. Yeah, that's so good. And I'm just for anybody's heart who is literally sinking, going, oh, my goodness, no, I don't want that to be my life. That is not what I'm asking for. We are going to touch on this a little bit later. So don't panic. We're just exploring all of the options. We're just talking about it. Okay. so what advice would you give to people who feel less than and slightly judged because they're single? Like and I guess especially when you're in the church realm, it can be like, oh, you're not it's very coupley, isn't it? Yeah. Like opportunities. How do they cultivate an unshakable identity in him? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm, I'm a lot older than all of you guys. Um, and, and even when I was, um, uh, kind of your age, this felt difficult. And I think it's, I think if anything, it's got harder. I think it's probably got harder in, um, the kind of secular world and it's probably, well, has it got harder in the church? I'd like to think that because people like me are speaking about it, maybe it's not getting harder, but I mean, who knows? Um, so I think there's a question of how this feels just in, in, in the world. Um, and it's not necessarily hard to be single in the world at one level, because there are lots of people who are single, but what is hard is to be um, single and living for Jesus, because what, it, what single means to most people isn't the same as what it might mean as a Christian. So I really remember, I tell this story often of being at university, just about to finish, um, one Christian friend in a group of lots of non-Christian friends from my course, she was about to get married. And um, and so they were teasing her because um, they knew that we were virgins because we were Christians and they knew that she was going to um, get married and so that they knew therefore she was going to have sex and they thought it was hilarious. So they were teasing her about it. But then they did this thing where they sort of looked at me and they thought, well, they they thought it was hilarious that she was 21 and, uh, you know, about to have sex on her wedding day. But then they looked at me and went, oh, my gosh, you know, she's not got a boyfriend. So what does what does that mean for her life? And and there was that kind of really interesting mix of single was kind of okay because single meant, you know, having all the fun. Whereas when they realized that single for us as Christians meant that we were making different choices, um, then that was kind of interesting. So I think, and I think that pressure has probably got even more today. So the pressure on single Christians to, to, to work out, well, how am I going, what decisions am I going to make about how I live? Um, what are the things I am and I'm not going to do? What are, how, how am I going to, to make those kind of decisions? That pressure's tough. But then within the church, um, so I said that I had a dream and I did these two seminars and then I wrote the book. One of the titles that I felt, well, they're both relevant, actually, but the two titles I felt God give to me, one was living a God obsessed life in a sex obsessed world. So that relates to what I've just been saying. The second one was living a God obsessed life in a marriage obsessed church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I talk about this often. People invite me to their churches, would you believe, to tell them why I think they're marriage obsessed. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes afterwards they think oh gosh you really did tell us um but I think it's really true I think the church the church you know not the individual although sometimes the individual fellowships but the church I think has idolized marriage um and has made it often feel quite difficult for single people and I think that can feel really pressured and I think that the, the weird thing around the Christian world is that that pressure starts younger so in the non-Christian world, it's perfectly acceptable to be single, as in non-married, through your late teens, through your 20s and, and beyond. In the Christian world, there's this kind of huge pressure about it. I think partly because of um, what we teach around sex and marriage. 
um, and it can feel like you get to quite a young age and you turn around and you think, well, everybody else is paired off, everybody else is engaged or married. And, and there's this huge pressure that we feel. Um, and so I think there can be, it, it can therefore feel quite difficult to think, well, how do I navigate this? And how do I navigate, well, I would like to date, but you know, as soon as I've gone out for, somebody, for coffee with somebody twice, people are gonna be, you know, asking us if we're getting married. Like the pressure there I think is huge. And, and people assuming things. So, so everybody assumes that what you want is to get married and have children. And that might be what you want, but equally it might not. And it's okay if it isn't. <laughs> um, and you might think, well, I would like that, but I, I don't want to th even think about it for 10 years yet. Um, and so I think a lot of things can be kind of placed upon us in terms of expectations. And, and it feels like, um, so, I, so a lot of the time I, I talk about the fact that church feels like it's very family focused. Now, the F word, the family word um, in churches can be used in a, some different ways it can be used in a really positive way if it means we together the collection of all of the people who make up this body of believers are a family then that's great but what so often I think it means is the people we'd most like to come to this church are the married couples with small children because we know what it looks like to build a church around them and so when a church puts on a family event that's perhaps who they're targeting it at and I think um sometimes as well there can be a bit of um, an expectation that for young people in that category well that's okay because they're on their way to getting there but then we we perhaps get a little bit older and and then it suddenly becomes a little bit more tricky because then I think the church really doesn't know what to do with us and I I, I know that now as somebody in their 40s people don't anymore say to me oh well never mind one day because they think oh well, probably not one day <laughs> you know so they don't know what to do with it quite so I think church can feel like a quite a pressured environment to be as a single person. Mm. And so how how then do people like get that unshakable identity in God and not the pressure, the opinions, the judgment that they might feel? How do they like cultivate that deep root? I think it's about investing in that relationship mm. between you and God and knowing that whatever happens and, and as I say this can feel this can feel quite scary when you're young and, and your great hope is that you will be married and have children but I think it's recognizing that your identity is not in those things mm -hmm. your identity is in who you are a child of God and that actually I, I promise you that even if those things don't happen that will be okay because your identity is in him and it isn't in whether or not those things are achieved or reached or, or happen. And so it's about investing in that relationship. And so, so doing whatever you need to do to invest in that, it, it, being part of a church, serving, reading the Bible, reading other books, connecting with people, praying together with people, being in accountability relationships, getting a mentor, doing all of that stuff that, that, grows you and invests in your walk um and that doesn't mean that you won't you know if if other things are going to happen if there's going to be relationship if there's going to be those future things they, they can still happen around it but actually you'll be better equipped you'll be better equipped either way if you end up in a relationship and getting married and having children you'll do that better because you've invested in your relationship with God. If you end up single for the rest of your life, you'll do that better because you've invested in your relationship with God. Like whatever happens in the future, it will be better that you have spent that time. So good. And actually as a married woman and um, with three kids, like you, you need to have built your identity in God because actually you can't, I don't think you can have a healthy marriage when you're getting your identity from someone and even getting your identity from being a mum like people let you down things happen and actually you need root everyone at whatever stage needs deep roots so that's really important okay we're in a you've touched on this we're in a hyper sexualized culture how do you stay pure as a single woman when you maybe want to be married you want to whatever in thought and in action yeah, I mean, this is huge because I say the pressures, I think, are, are massive today, really, really massive, because it's so incredibly countercultural, the way that we're 
called to live as Christians. Yeah. And so when we when we look at what the Bible has to say about sex and marriage and relationships, and when we look at where the world is in that area, you know, they're they're miles apart, um, and more so than kind of in our recent historical memory. You know, now um, it's completely and utterly normal and acceptable, and and not even not even acceptable but like expected that people will live together sleep together before marriage it's very unusual not to do that and really the only people who wouldn't do that would be christians or somebody of another faith that, that believed that whereas actually perhaps in you know my parents generation that was just the societal norm so you didn't necessarily have to be a follower of jesus that would that was just the norm and it was kind of frowned upon a bit to live together whereas now it's just expected mm. you know whenever i do a wedding here at the church i in fact, somebody the other day, I caught, it did catch me out because I said, oh, I assume you're, he's the same address. And she said, no, we don't live together. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> um, you know, because it's so unusual. Yeah. And so it is, and so it, the, the pressure from your friends, you know, from your peers, so whether you're at school, college, university, work, people are going to find that strange and they're going therefore to question you. Now, maybe, maybe they're intrigued. And maybe it starts a great conversation and maybe they say, well, why? Why don't you sleep with guys when you go out of a weekend? Why wouldn't you live with your boyfriend? Why wouldn't you have sex with my And maybe it starts a brilliant conversation and you tell them about Jesus and that's fantastic. Like in the ideal world, that's what's happening, right? But maybe they just laugh at you and maybe they think you're weird and maybe it's really difficult and you feel like you've got to justify it. And so, and maybe it's both of those things. And that's, that's tough. So I think I think the first thing is to say, be clear, okay, be, be clear on it. So read the Bible, work out what it says, read my book, read other books, you know, talk to, and, and I think talk to your, your church leaders or if maybe you're in a home group or a whatever you're in, ask these questions. Um, I get really annoyed when church leaders and people won't talk about this stuff. I, a group of young people came to one of my seminars once in the summer and came up to me at the end and said, can we ask you, they're about 16, I guess, 15, 16. Can we ask you, like, we all, they're all young women. We all want to live for Jesus, but we've all got boyfriends and they all are pressuring us to do stuff. And we don't know what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do. And our youth leader won't talk to us. I'm like, what? Find me that youth leader. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> you've got to have these conversations but the problem is even when people are having them with youth groups it feels to me like sometimes people leave youth group they're 18 90 nobody mentions it anymore because well you're grown up now so i'm going to talk about it. it's a bit embarrassing we don't mind talking to the teenagers but oh, we don't want to talk to the adults oh, a bit weird so i think think about it talk about it work it out work out what does it say what do i what do i believe because you need to kind of know that from the beginning so if i if if you believe and this is what i think this is what I think the Bible says. And if you agree, and this is ultimately what you believe, then settle on that before you get into a relationship. So what I think the Bible says is that sex is for marriage. Mm. Sex is for within marriage. When a man and a woman get married, then that's where sex happens. So therefore, if you're not married, it's no sex. Now, you might say, well, that's pretty straightforward. It doesn't necessarily feel straightforward, but, and it's definitely not what the rest of the world says, but it's what I think God says. Mm. Now, that only tells you one part of the story you then get to the question the girls were asking me of well, what actually what can we do what can we touch and what are we allowed and what happens and there's a whole set of things that you need to work out but I think if you if you're if you're certain of that then that's your kind of starting point really for then well then when I get into a relationship I know this and I'm going to be honest about it right from the start and you know if I then end up in a relationship with someone that isn't a Christian well that's going to be really tricky isn't it because they're, they're going to just think what I'm telling them is crazy. Even if I'm in a relationship with someone who is a Christian, we might still struggle with this. So I think being open about that stuff right from the start, if you are in a relationship, deciding what you are and aren't going to do, when you are and aren't going to be alone together, all of that stuff. You know, I and, and, and there's a whole range of views on this. I mean, some people say, well, you shouldn't, you know, hold hands or kiss or anything at all. I think, you know, it's OK to do that. I think it's OK to hold hands and to, you know, but kiss, but but decide well what's what's our line and, and what what would we not go past and talk about that and be accountable for that to people now if you're if you're that's it that's for in a relationship if you're not in a relationship this feels tough I know that this feels tough I'm 43 I've never been in a relationship um I mean I it's a whole other story to a whole other question that we might or might not get to but I I've made a commitment to stay single for my life and so I'm never going to be um 
and it is hard that you know everybody's different in this everybody's level of kind of desire is different um the struggle that it feels for some of us not to have sex is some of us aren't bothered some of us find it really difficult so there's a whole kind of spectrum of how we might find that but I think it's about being really clear on what we believe and why and then within our prayer life, within our discipleship, within our walk with God, kind of committing ourselves and not, and knowing that if we do make a mistake, like, you know, that's okay. Jesus is in the business of forgiveness. So if, if something's gone wrong, then we can start again always. Um, but, and doing this alongside other people, whether you've got other single friends or whether you've got, you know, a, a pastor that you can talk to about this or just a small group and just accountability is really important in this area. Mm, that's so helpful. Um, okay, we, we might touch on that later if anyone's got any more questions with that. Um, I know we've guys, just as a side note, we've got resort, we've got coaching sessions that we did on relationships. We've got that mentorship session on pornography, masturbation, all sorts to like help unpack this a bit more. But um, thank yeah, it's huge. I mean, you, that's a whole subject kind of in itself, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's huge. It's a massive one. Okay, so how do you navigate friendships with the opposite sex? What boundaries are helpful if you want a friendship with another man and not a romantic relationship? Because you've touched on this. It can be really hard in the church world that you have one coffee or you say hello and then people are like, oh, what's going on? And you're like, nothing. Just give me a break. How do you navigate yeah. that? Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I think friendship's hugely important. Um, I think we're, we're built for relationship and friendship and community. And so that stuff's really important. And it can be difficult, can't it? Because, you know, we, we all know that the church has got more women in it than men. And so I think sometimes men feel the kind of pressure, you know, there's lots of women and like one man and he feels like they're all kind of, everyone's kind of looking at him and sizing him up. Um, and I think that can be really tricky. And but I think friendship's really important, but I think there's a level of kind of honesty that's required, honesty with ourselves, but also honesty in our kind of conversation. So if there is somebody that you like, admit that to yourself. Don't kind of pretend I'm just having a friendship and whatever, you know. Um, it's great to be friends with the opposite sex. That's, that's obviously a great thing. Um, I think if, if, if what's around you is just gossip, well, forget it, ignore it, let them chat on as long as you know that you're uh, kind of doing things the right way. I think obviously there are boundaries in place. So I don't know whether you guys have heard of, um, I think called the Billy Graham rule. Um, and I, I have like views on this, um, but <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna explain it to you because if, if you haven't heard of it, because there's quite a spectrum of kind of views on this. And so your church and, and your kind of church leaders might be in a different place on this. So this rule comes from Billy Graham, the, the evangelist. Um, obviously he's, he's died now, but he had this rule, it was quite a long time ago, where he wouldn't um, be alone with somebody. So he was a married man, traveling a lot, teaching, um, doing his kind of rallies and what have you, wouldn't be alone with a woman because he didn't want there to be any, um, you know, gossip or kind of speculation that he was in any kind of improper relationship. So he put these very strict rules in place, wouldn't be in a car with another woman, wouldn't eat dinner with a woman. Um, and the reason this is kind of still around in our world today is because Mike Pence, who was the vice president when Donald Trump was the president of America, he was a um, Christian and he also followed that rule. So it kind of became popularized again. Now, some church, not very much in this country to, to that extent, but in America, it's reasonably common to follow that. But even in this country, you might find um, suggestions in some churches that you know, you, you should never be alone with somebody and you've all got, and of course, of course, we need to be really careful and um, careful from the point of view of safety, careful from the point of view of temptation, careful from the point of view of what it might look like to others. But actually, I don't think a really kind of set rule that says, well, like, you can never, you know, my mom can never, ever be alone if they're not married to each other, I think can be sort of harmful to us as women, you know, to you as young women who are growing and some of you might feel called into leadership and you might want to kind of be mentored by people or um, shadow people in their ministry. And I think if we impose kind of too much of a restriction on that, then that impedes some of that from happening. But I do think that rules are helpful. So for instance, personally, I live on my own. If I have um, 
a couple come and stay with me, that's fine. If I have uh, if the woman of that couple uh, is coming to, you know, my this is obviously in a pre-COVID world or post-COVID. Um, if the woman's coming and she can stay, but if the man happens to be coming, you know, say he's coming to the city to do a lecture or coming for a meeting, I wouldn't have him stay over in my house. Now, that isn't because I'm secretly in love with all of my married male friends. It isn't because I think anything would happen between us, but it's the main reason is just that I think that's a rule that in general is helpful. Um, because what if there was, what if there was something there? What if one of us did actually like the other one? Um, but also what does it look like to my neighbors? If a man comes and comes into my house in the evening and doesn't leave till the next morning, they don't know what's happening. Um, so I think certain things like that, uh, and, th and then also because it's always a rule, I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to think, oh, so-and-so's coming. Oh, I do sort of like them a little bit. That's a little bit awkward, isn't it? Oh dear. Now, shall I tell them they can't come? Or Because it's just a rule, I just don't do it. But I would go for a meal with a male friend of mine. Um, so I think it's, there's an element of common sense, but again, it comes back to the accountability question. You know, and if you're in leadership, um, there might be particular rules in the group that you're leading or in the church that you're involved with. And I think a lot of our problems that we get into in the church around this are because we don't have, we're not very good at having difficult conversations and we're not very good at honesty. And so I think being really clear about this, we had an intern at the church a couple of years ago and uh, he was in a relationship and we just were very clear from the beginning about what would happen when his girlfriend came to visit and um, we said well she can't stay um in your house you know we know you've got spare rooms and you know we we trust you that you're not going to sleep together till you're married but actually it's not okay for her to stay over because one of the jobs that you do is leading our youth and you know we don't we want it to be really very clear what our position is on this and so if that's the rule that we have from the beginning then that's what everybody knows is happening mm, that's really helpful now you said that you um made the decision that you were going to be single for the rest of your life that's a choice that you've made um i'm really curious what made you choose that like what what was behind that and any advice for anyone who's going mm, i wonder if that's something that i might be called to well the interesting thing is that i never did feel called to it so i um I would always have said so um, from being a little girl, I would have said that I wanted to get married and have children or through my teenagers or through my 20s. I was very clear that I my hope was that I would get married and that I would have children. And I tried to do all the things that I've said to you. I tried to focus on my relationship with God. I tried to make sure that my identity was in him. Um, I hoped that if it didn't happen, that, you know, that would be OK. But it was it was what I hoped. Um, and then. Excuse me. Um, even while I was talking about singleness and writing about it, that was still my hope. So it wasn't as if I started to write about it and just instantly said, well, that's it. I'm going to stay single forever. It was still very much my hope that I would get married and I would have children. But then um, and it's quite a long story again in itself. I, I blog. Um, I'll, I'll stick my blog title in the um, chat in a minute so you can check it out if you want. And I've, I've written about it a little bit there. But it was kind of over a period of time. So the first thing that happened was that I felt that God said to me, you're always going to be single. And it wasn't like a calling particularly. It was just like a FYI, you know, just um, and it was a bit like, what? what does that even mean? And then it kind of unfolded over quite a period of time, really, as I tried to work this out. Well, does that mean, you know, does that mean I shouldn't, you know, if I get the opportunity to date someone, does it mean that I shouldn't? Or does it mean that you're just telling me like the end thing or is it a call? what does that look like so I went through quite a process of working that out um until like I came to the point actually where it felt like God it, it sounds quite sort of unusual the way when I describe it but this is how it felt so it felt like God um gave me a choice and said to me um here's what your life could look like there's two ways that it could go um, so it could look like getting married and having children. And if you do that, you'll still be able to lead the church and you'll still be able to you know, do lots of the things that you do now. But obviously, a large part of your time is going to be focused on that, that aspect of your life. Or you can stay single. And if you do that, um, it's not better or worse, but there are certain opportunities that will be more available 
you know, I, I travel a lot and I'm able to go and speak at different conferences all over the place. That would be harder if I, you know, if I had other people to think about. So it felt like God gave me these two options, a choice. But it also felt like, you know, do you know what I mean when you say, you know, if you play cards with a small child and it's one of those games where you have to pick someone else's card and you kind of you're messing around and you, you hand them your set of cards. But one of them is kind of sticking up a little bit because you're trying to suggest they take that one. It felt a little bit like that, like God was saying, you can do either of these, but this is the best. You can choose either, but this is the one I've got for you. And, and I don't mean that in a sneaky way like God was trying to trick me but it felt like God was saying genuinely you can do either of these things but this is the one that I've prepared for you as the best plan um but if if you think you can't do it that's okay because then you can do this one mm. and it truly felt like that and instantly I mean I didn't even think about it I didn't even I knew that that it was right to choose that one and that was singleness and so I just said, yes, yes, I choose that instantly. Like, of course, of course I choose that. And, and, it, and then, then later on suddenly went, what, what just happened? What did I, what did I just do? <laughs> um, but it's always felt like the right choice. And interestingly, then there's a whole part two to that, which is that very unexpectedly and very unusually later on, I then felt God um, call me to make a sort of public commitment to that. So I actually had a, a ceremony where I um, kind of made a vow to stay single. Um, wow. That's amazing. So I want to touch on that now because um, so this is my second question, second penultimate question. That's the way I say it. Um, now I know some people from questions that they've submitted um, previously that actually the thought of singleness and being called to singleness is actually their worst nightmare because not because they're going, oh no, single life sucks, but because they actually feel a deep desire in their heart to be married. Now I want you to unpack now, because you chose that. Do you think, so speak to the woman now whose heart is sinking a little bit and going, I feel a bit like, no, I really want to get married and I need, I need reassurance that that's going to happen. Like, do you think God, I mean, we know this, but I just want you to dig deeper into this. Do you think God directs you and graces you and actually gives you a desire for what he's calling you to so like the girl who's going I actually really want to be married like I hear that is great but I actually really want to be married do you think is that an indication that actually that might be what's going to happen like how do you think it works sure no it's a great question and I totally hear that and I, I I totally get that you know I can't I can't have this one-to-one conversation with each of you now because of the format that we're in, but I wish that I wish that I could. I wish I could hear from each of you what your heart is and what your, you know, what your dreams are and what your fears are and all of those things. Um, so um, it isn't as simple. We know it isn't as simple realistically as I want this thing, so it's going to happen. Of course it isn't. We know that's not true. Um, people misuse Bible verses in all sorts of different ways. People misuse that Psalm 37 thing, the, the, the desires of your heart. What's the desire of your heart? God will give it to you. It doesn't work like that. So, so it isn't true to say that if the greatest desire of your heart is marriage and children, you will, you will get married and have children. It, it does, it just doesn't work. It's not as simple. It doesn't mean it won't, but it isn't as simple as if you've got that great desire, it will happen. Equally though, that said, if you dread the thought of being called to singleness, then I don't think that in, I don't think that you remaining in that state of dread, you would be. So either um if you were going to be called to singleness god would change that and it wouldn't feel dreadful anymore which i I kind of think is probably what happened to me i mean i'd never really thought about being called to singleness but if i had i think i probably would have thought it was dreadful but by the time it happened it felt like the entirely right thing to do Mm. or it it won't be a calling Um, and i don't think god calls very many people calls specifically very many people to stay single i think a lot of people stay single because they're living their life for God and they don't find a godly husband or wife. I, I think, but I think that the calling is generally for quite a specific purpose. So I think if God's going to call you, ask you to commit to staying single, then that's generally for, for a reason. Mm. But things being what they are, if, if, if we are committed to always to following Jesus and to living kind of in the way that I've described, then some of us simply will be single 
all of our lives. And it, it, that won't be because we have been called to be, it will be because we simply never met someone to marry. And that, that's different. Um, but again, I think there, will, there always will be grace to sustain us through that. Um, there'll, be there'll be times when it's, might well be times when it's hard, might well be times when um, it, it feels tricky to negotiate that within church or among our friends, um, but there will always be grace for it. Mm. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. that. That's really helpful. And I just like to echo what you're saying. I think exhale, if you're feeling a little bit tense, just exhale and actually remember just the kindness of God and his father heart towards you and his understanding and empathy of where you're at your heart he says in his word that he reads your heart like an open book so I think you're so right Kate like you can't predict the future you don't know but also you yeah God is kind he's gracious and like you said he graces you for the journey that you're on and the seasons that you go through so I think we can all find rest in knowing that as we go along as we do it his strength his grace actually makes it he it eases the way doesn't it it eases the road so i think we can find peace in that it's my favorite bible verse the, the verse that reminds us that his grace is sufficient yeah you know that there's enough grace <laughs> um and and we feel weak and we and we can't we think i can't do that i can't do that but there is enough grace yeah Okay. Abby, we've, got, we've had a question on the chat. Shall I pop it in now? Um, no, not yet. I'm going to do the final question and then I'm going to open it up for Q&A anyway because I think sure. yeah, cool. time to do, get people to get involved. So really quickly then, Kate, final question. What are some healthy things to prioritise during singleness? I'm muting myself because I was typing. Um, <laughs> So I think friendships, yeah, um, great friendships, um, and also all kinds of friendships. You know, so it's great to be if you're single. It's great to be friends with other single people uh, because they perhaps have a similar kind of availability to you, um, and um, you know perhaps you can share together some of the the joys of that and some of the struggles of that. But it's also great to be um, friends with people who are married, friends with people who've got kids who don't. You know, a mixture of those friendships. I think we're um, we're richer when we have a really mixed sort of set of friendships and also friendships with people younger than you, older than you. So, so kind of prioritise that and also um, prioritise your kind of church life. Um, think about those things that you're, you know, really called to and, and, and really kind of enjoying and give you life and, and serve in those ways. And what, uh, how can you kind of really sow into that and, and serve in those different kind of ways? Um, so that's something really healthy to prioritise as well. And then obviously, you know, I've said this already, but you, like your own, your own Christian walk, you know, prioritise that, prioritise, prioritise getting to know the Bible really well, you know, prioritise, you know, working on your prayer life, prioritise, um, you know, just getting to know Jesus better, <laughs> like prioritise and prioritise the things that, that just give you life, like what 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 are those things like just what are the things that are fun for you or um yeah so good and so helpful okay so over to Jen in the chat um we're going to open this up now to anybody so Jen if you want to run through the questions that have been submitted in the chat but girls if you have a question now this is your chance to unmute yourself um and ask it because Kate assured me that she was really up for whatever you want to throw at her anything you can ask anything i've been talking about this subject for a lot of years there's very little i haven't been asked i, I promise you is that shocked you i also i've been a vicar in liverpool for 16 years i am literally unshockable <laughs> okay Wait, we'll, we'll do our best so. <laughs> yeah. Can't go, bring it. okay so um we've had a question from one of the girls that says um i'm in a season of singleness and abstinence but i've been judged in a church more because i've had sex before i found god how do i answer and help others to understand that this was my life before christ it's a great question and i'm so sorry that that's happened like that's that that shouldn't have happened that shouldn't be what we're doing in church i mean we shouldn't even be judging people if they've done that afterwards because there's you know judging isn't the way to deal with that um but we certainly shouldn't be judging people 
um, for whom that was their experience before they came to God. And so I guess it's difficult, isn't it? Because I suppose it partly depends on how you have felt that judgment. So if it's been um, in a sort of, um, so if it's been in a, in a group of people that you had a relationship with, say a small group or something, and they got to know your story and you felt judged by them, then I would hope in that instance that there might be an opportunity for a conversation to explain um, and to be able to, to kind of, and I realise that might feel a bit, you know, hard to do, but, but I would hope that there might be an opportunity relationally to kind of think that through. If you felt judged because that's kind of almost been the teaching and that's what it's felt like because that's what you've heard kind of presented, then again, I mean, perhaps there's an opportunity to talk to the, the, the person maybe who gave that teaching or the leader or, or where that was heard from, because it may be that that isn't quite what they intended to convey, but that is what they conveyed and they perhaps need to learn to express that kind of differently you know because I'm when I speak about this I know that I'm always trying to get that nuance I'm trying to be really clear to people that this is what I think the Bible says that for sex is for within marriage but I also want to be very clear to say to people but if you haven't lived that way if you've come to God after that then don't feel condemned don't feel just but maybe they didn't get the balance of that quite right so I guess it partly depends on where you heard that and kind of how it felt but I I, I think I would really say if you feel able to then I would say, try and have a conversation about that. Maybe there's somebody within the church, maybe it's the church leader, or maybe it's a small group leader, or maybe it's just a friend that you've got within the church that could kind of help you to have that conversation. Because I think, I would hope that that isn't what the leadership position of the church will be intended to be. If it is, then that's a whole other problem, but I would hope that it wasn't because we're, we're about transformed lives we're about wanting people to come to know Jesus and whatever life has looked like before that there's a new start then isn't that yeah absolutely okay another question Great. in the comments how do you learn to understand what life is like for your married friends likewise how do married friends know the difficulties we may have with single people I often feel so far apart from my married friends as I don't get it yeah, I mean, one of the tricky things about, um, so is that as single people, we don't know what it's like to be married, unless, I mean, some people do, because they're single, again, they're divorced or widowed. But when um, uh, you guys, I guess most of you uh, don't know that. Um, and so, but your married friends probably think, well, I do know what it's like to be single. Now, and this can be tricky, can't it? Because of course, yes they do they have been single but some of them might not have been single for very long and also I think there's an element in which you just forget so by the time they're married they might say well I know I know what it was like to be single because I've been single well yes but you're not anymore so what they don't know is they don't know that that feeling of well what if what if mm. it's all like this what if it never because it's changed for them so I so I think again that there's kind of honesty in that you know you you might find that some of your friends, you know, your friends might get married and then it might feel like they drop you. It might feel like they don't connect with you anymore. Um, and of course, life's going to be different. You know, maybe you only knew one of them and then they met a new partner that you don't know. And that's kind of awkward to navigate. You've got to try and work out about getting to know that partner. Maybe they feel like they're really super coupley and you don't really see them. So there's stuff to navigate. And it might be that some friendships don't last that because they suddenly become so absorbed with each other. And But hopefully friendships can withstand that change um, and you can learn from each other because I, I think it's like I said it's really healthy to have different kinds of friendships and I think it's really healthy for you know married people shouldn't only just hang around with other married people like it's it's that's not good that's not healthy um, I actually did a seminar a few years ago and, and there's a chapter in the book about it about trying to have that conversation and saying to married people what would you want to tell us and there was all kinds of stuff around so some of the married people were saying well um, because I know that a lot of my single friends really want to get married I don't feel like I can say when things are hard mm. and I think oh no I, I can see what they mean but actually I don't want that I don't want them to always feel like they've got to be like everything's rosy and perfect because you know if they say well it's really tough then their single friends might go well you know I just oh, I wish I had what you had so if we're just able to share and be honest and, and not to feel like, you know, every married friend is just trying to matchmate you all the time, you know, unless that's what you want them to do. Um, but yeah, just kind of really being honest with each other. And I think for married people to recognise that, although they have been single, their life is now different. 
because mm. I think it can it can sometimes feel not in all cases of course but it can sometimes feel like single people feel a little bit patronized by their married friends because they're like well I know what your life's like but you don't know what my life's like um so yeah I think like with most things some good conversation and some some real honesty about that but I think it's important that married people kind of still value their single friends for who they are and don't just expect like there's an imbalance isn't there so with a married couple there's two people and with a single person there's one and it, it, it can sometimes feel like everything now has to go their way like they get to make the choices and make the decisions and they're the grown-up so I think you've got to kind of work through friendship in a new way I think really helpful really good um and then we've had another one how do you avoid those deeper feelings of resentment that you might have if a relationship is something that you want and many people around you are getting married which is obviously something wonderful and something to be celebrated yeah it can be really tough can't it and um i you know uh, going to a wedding can feel really tough sometimes or even just you know two people get together and, and that's hard i think i think for me kind of the way i i sort of looked at it was like you know these two people are getting married that's not that's not impacting my getting married or not you know unless unless my friend is marrying the man I was desperate to marry <laughs> then their being together isn't impacting on my singleness and so why would I I don't resent them I guess I guess that's the important distinction to make you might feel unhappy you might feel sort of disappointed you might feel I wish it was me but your resentment or your disappointment isn't aimed at them so I would say work really hard on on softening your heart to be able to be happy for them because that's an important thing because otherwise if you just find it really difficult every time somebody gets married or is in a relationship you're going to end up almost feeling like you can't continue those friendships and you're kind of <laughs> gonna end up without you know friends um so I think kind of work hard on being happy for those people separately from that you might feel disappointed you might feel resentful and I think it's it's simply about just taking that I don't mean it to sound kind of simple or cliche but just taking that to God in, in prayer just just not letting your heart become hard with that um you know it's it's easy in in this this kind of situation where there's something that we desperately want it's easy to become bitter I feel it hasn't happened again you know you, you get to another birthday and you think well now I'm this age and I'm still single and now I'm this age and now so and so and this and just that bitterness can come in and I think just praying that through and kind of working to stay kind of soft hearted in that really mm, so helpful okay two questions have been submitted so we'll do these really quickly because I want to okay. answer those times but is it wise to continue a platonic friendship with someone if one of them has feelings but the other doesn't? Can you just be friends or should you go your separate ways? It's a great question. I think it probably just depends on the circumstance. I think you've got to be really wise about it and really honest with yourself. I think, you know, so you would only know this, I guess, if one of you had like asked the other out and they'd said no. And I guess you just have to think, well, how do we navigate this? Do we think we can navigate this or not? And actually, which one of you is it awkward for? Is it awkward for the one who does have feelings? Because do you feel like actually they're forever going to be trying to you know push it further or is it actually awkward for the one who doesn't have the feelings because they're feeling almost guilty or whatever so I think in that in that situation it's probably a case of just working it out I mean I don't think you probably have to like you know move house and never see them again but it might having a a, a strong friendship with them might be too tricky but equally if you can if you can honestly have the conversation and perhaps get someone else involved, a church leader or somebody, an elder, and, and get somebody else involved and just kind of work it through. Might feel like super awkward, but it will be better to have done it. <laughs> Great. Jen, do you want to do the last question? Yeah, um, so what are your thoughts on keeping pure and Jesus-focused with TV slash media slash general chat with friends, etc.? It feels tricky as a single person to avoid sexualized content or conversations, etc. Sometimes my friends who are Christians think I'm a prude for not wanting to watch these films or talking about sexual things within banter. In my mind, some topics aren't healthy to think or talk about as a person who's single. Hope that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely makes sense. And it's a brilliant question. Um, and I think it's a bigger it's a bigger question that I can kind of give um, justice to in, in, in a couple of minutes. But I, I've written a little bit about this. So there's a chapter in the book and a blog about um, living so the God obsessed life in a sex obsessed world thing. 
Um, I think it's a great question to ask because this kind of stuff is everywhere. So it's not even like you can go, well, I won't watch 18 films and it'll all be okay. I mean, it isn't that simple, is it? It's like adverts, never mind films, feel like they've like got sexual themes, don't they? You know, flicking, you don't even, you don't have to like watch porn. You're just on your ordinary telly and like there's, you just think, well, what on earth am I watching? I think what I would say is that everybody has um, a really different kind of threshold here as to what is and isn't helpful for their mind. And so I know this from talking to my friends. Um, some of them, can, you know, uh, uh, and so therefore, I don't think there's just one answer. I don't, it's just a sort of moral answer. Watch this, don't watch this. Read this, don't read this. I think you have to know what is helpful to your soul and what isn't. So somebody might be able to watch a film finish watching the film, never think about it again. Somebody else, those images that what's depicted there, not necessarily just visually, but emotionally, what's depicted there might be really unhelpful to you in your own thought life. Um, and, and I think you have to, and if you work that out, you think, well, I, it isn't helpful for me to watch that. It's fine for you to watch it, you do what you want, but it isn't helpful for me. And so I think there's a real level of honesty there. And again, you might need someone to help you work that through. Um, you know, somebody that's older, wiser, mentor, accountability person might be able to help you work that through. But I think be sure in your own conviction. So it isn't about telling other people what they should and shouldn't do. But if for you, watching a certain thing, reading a certain thing, talking about a certain thing isn't helpful, then be willing to say, no, that isn't for me. And definitely the sort of banter joke thing. I think we we should, you know, we should kind of stick clear of that, really. We should be looking different from the world in the kind of stuff that we joke about and talk about. But certainly watching and reading, I think we've all got really different thresholds. You'll know if something just feels uncomfortable uh, or dwells in your mind for a long time. Yeah, don't go there. And if other people think you're a prude, well, okay. oh well. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't think with that question, I don't think it's just a single thing either. Like my husband and I, we're really careful about what we watch. Like there's films that just we wouldn't ever, or TV series that we just would never watch because it's effectively a little bit like pornography and we just don't go there. And that's a decision that we make as a couple. So I think it's actually, like you said, Kate, it's about your, your convictions to what you think is healthy. And, and I think God honoring, sometimes I think you actually have to choose like, no, this is totally inappropriate because actually there's things out there disguised as TV series, like 15, and it's like pornography, I think. So I think you've got to really know your thing. And I know, Jen, you're the same, aren't you? With yeah, massively. So, I've got a very, it can stick in my mind, like you were saying, Kate, there's some things you just can't unsee for a really long time, you know, so, yeah. Well... Kate, thank you so much for doing this, for giving up your time, for sharing your heart and your experience. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. So thank you so much for giving up your time and investing in us. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It's been so great. I'm, I'm sorry I can't get, can't get to know you all. I want to hear your stories. I want to, <laughs> you, you're an amazing group of um, women and I want to know all about you. <laughs> okay, they want to know the title of the book and where can they get it? Get it, please get it from me. I would really love it if you didn't buy this from Amazon. <laughs> Just because, you know, Amazon. Um, no, I mean, there are other bookshops you can get it from. Um, and if you want to get it on Kindle, then obviously you've got to do it that way. But if you would like a paper copy of this book and you don't have one, then um, I'm just going to put my email in the chat and it would, I would love it if you would contact me and I would be delighted to send you. Can you sign it for them? Yes, of course. <laughs> Uh, amazing so you've got Kate's email address in the chat feel free to quickly screen and the blog connect on the blog as well um read read up on the blog and also on on Facebook I have a personal profile but I also have a, a book a, a page related to the book and um, so you can follow that and um I share if I if I ever write articles or, or just see interesting articles on singleness I kind of stick them in there and so yeah amazing and I a cheeky request Kate if any of the girls here are going, oh, I would actually really like to talk to you because I've got loads of questions. Are they free to get in touch with you? And how would they get in touch with you? I'm Absolutely, just drop me an email right there. There you go, girls. So if you actually feel like you need to continue this conversation, you've got her email. Yeah, I mean, I can't guarantee, like I can't guarantee that I can enter into like a, a long, you know, I'm not gonna, I can't like suddenly mentor you all as much as I'd love to do it. But if you've got some questions, find them away in an email, no problem. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much. You're an amazing woman. And yeah, it's been a privilege to hear from you. I would, I would love it. I know we'd all love it if in closing you would just pray for everybody. I'd love to do that. Thank you. Loving God, I thank you for these amazing young women. Thank you for the way that you have created them. Thank you for the gifts and the skills and the passions and the interests that you have put within them. Thank you for their heart for you. Thank you that they long to know you and to follow you and to grow in you and to be transformed by you and to change the world for you. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of them, whatever place they're in at the moment, however life feels, if it's good, if it's hard, like whatever they're going through at the moment, whatever challenges are around them and whatever they feel around this area of singleness. Lord, for some of them, this will feel like a great time for some of them this will feel like a huge struggle uh, for some of them there'll be this kind of sense of um hope or, or, or fear or dread about the future lord whatever they're feeling at the moment you know that and i pray that you would just connect with them right now and i pray that you would um reassure them of your huge love for them and that whatever the future holds it's possible to live a whole flourishing free full life with you so lord encourage them and surround them and reassure them with that tonight and in the days to come i pray amen amen well thank you so much girls it's been an honor to see you as well it's been yes lovely and kate you're amazing thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your email address <laughs> <laughs> But take care, everyone. We'll see you soon. All right, all right, all right. Don't mind us. We're just over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode and that tells us that you are serious about thriving in every area of your daily life. If you want more, head over to standoutgirl.co.uk where you can find our membership community and heaps of content to help you thrive every day. Consider us a sisterhood of support in your pocket, friend, and we'll see you next time.